On today's episode, Alan and I conclude our discussion on rule and procedural changes you'll see in the 2023 rulebook, and then wrap it up talking about the HTX program. We sure hope you enjoy this one. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. I'm your host today, Trevor Wade, Coonhound Program Manager here, and I'm joined, as always, by the Director of Hunting Ops, Alan Gingrich. How are you doing today, Alan? Doing very well. November 15th here in Michigan, that means first day of deer season. Plus, it's snowing today, and it looks like deer season is here. Looks it's a like state a deer holiday. hunting kind of day, really. It's a state holiday today. Yeah, kind of is. I'm not sure why we're working today, but... <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go coon hunting, I, or last year I did, the night before, on November 14th, went around uh, to some of the game land here close to Kalamazoo, and there's campers and trucks parked everywhere saving their spot for, for uh, November 15th morning. It's a big deal here in the state of Michigan, for sure. I'll give them a couple of days, and then yeah. I'm gonna go, I'll go in and ru- ruin their deer hunting for them in a uh, few days. Let me give you some words of wisdom. Give them more than just a couple of days, because it'll be, <laughs> it'll be for two weeks. I'd stay away from the woods for a couple of weeks. It's a lot easier for us nighttime hunters than any beaglers trying to run in the mornings for sure. Oh, that's true, man. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of got a fun, uh, another fun podcast to to do here today. Uh, we're going to start out uh, finishing up some of our rule uh, changes and procedural changes for our 2023 rule book that's coming up, uh, kind of the third one of an installment of that. We've already talked about in a couple previous episodes some of the other rule and pr- procedural changes that we were going to infect for 2023. Um, so if you listen back to episode 22, you can hear us talk about uh, thermal imaging devices coming into play, uh, striking dogs on or, or before the third bark, uh, the warning being taken away from that, and also the warning being taken away from calling their own dog. That was in episode 22. And then in 24, we talked about a ton of stuff yeah, uh, from dogs treating but not declared treat, strike time changing, hearing dogs open before recasting, hunt directors being able to participate in hunts how to draw dogs out in a slam, and just some other changes that we've made in the rule book. So you want to go back and listen to 22 and 24 uh, if you haven't yet before uh, getting into this one and us talking about some of the last procedural changes that we'll see in the rule book. Yeah, and these are all things that are going to go into effect in January of 2023 with new rules and things like that. And speaking of new rules, you've got the new rule book all done. It's uh, the proofing and everything's done, and they tell us, uh, media tells us that it's out for production or to produce and everything. So we should have those in here. In short order here, probably within the next month or so, I would think. Yeah, and like we talked about uh, last Coonhound episode, uh, be sure that you're up to date on your Coonhound Bloodlines subscription because those will be uh, new rule books will be going out with your January issue. So make sure you're yeah, paid up right, right now, get yeah. it done sooner rather than later. Yep. Uh, today we're going to start out with a topic that we uh, kind of hit on at the end of episode 24, and that's elimination format events. Uh, at that time, it was kind of before we had finalized all the the language that we wanted that that rule section to to say at this point that's all done and uh, I think today we're going to dig into it and really get into it because this is a, a brand new thing for UKC. It is you know where it first came up I say first came up one of the events that we had where it did in fact come up and create a problem was at our world championship down in Dyersburg there on Friday night you know when we ended up with five dogs 
uh, going out in the late round. That's all we had left for the late round on Friday. And uh, we talked about we need to fix this first opportunity. So here we are. And I feel and I'm excited about it. I think it's a it's a new section that uh, applies to all full elimination format events. So, yeah, the thing I like about it is uh, like all other changes that we make, this wasn't made on a whim. It was from uh, multiple conversations and not just between you and I and the people within our building. A lot of hunters were vetted on this. We got a lot of opinions from from hunters that compete in a lot of different events and, yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, support a lot of our events. And I feel like we've uh, meshed together a pretty good uh, layout here for full elimination style events. And I think it goes uh, it goes along with what I've learned over the years is, you know, it's anybody can sit down and write up a new program or write up new rules, this and that, um, and, and print, them, print them up, write them up, and put them out there, you know, but... Uh, Oftentimes, uh, this being a good example of it, uh, get your thoughts together, sit on it for a, a good little while, and you can you always end up making it much better. And this is another good example of that. Yeah. So I guess before we get into kind of what the rule book's going to tell us as far as uh, elimination format events, uh, we could talk about kind of what they are. Um, the ones that you just talked about, the World Finals uh, and the TOC Finals is where we deal with it most uh, every year. It seems like we're we're always real nervous about there being a, a full slate of dogs advancing to keep the numbers where they're supposed to be. So that way we have a full final cast for, uh, for live production type shows, but also like the grand 16 autumn Oaks, we can, we would consider that a full elimination style event. Yeah. And also we're, we're, we're going to talk about them in a little bit, but a kind of new formatted event, uh, uh, bringing back the super slams of old and kind of some different things we're going to do with that. So, uh, those is what we would consider a full elimination, yeah. uh, formatted event. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so 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 what what let's let's cover some of the events that we would consider to be full elimination events. You mentioned the World Finals, the TOC Finals. So that wouldn't include the World Zones that happen the week before the finals. That wouldn't be full elimination because the same dog, even though defeated on Friday night, can still enter and compete on Saturday night. So that's obviously not full elimination. Full elimination is once you've you've once you're out, you're out. You can't advance, and you're done at that point. And same with the TOC regions that, you know, they, uh, dogs can compete on Friday and Saturday. So that's not full elimination, but it would be full in elimination when they come to the finals, world finals, TOC finals. You mentioned the Grand 16 at Autumn Oaks. That would also be full elimination when it comes to the Saturday round, you know, early Saturday and then late with the final four. Uh, then the super slams that you talked about that we're going to we have clubs that are very interested in those and, and want to bring those back, and those will be. Now, super slams are different than your regular slams. Now, regular slams, uh, just for clarification purposes, they can have uh, a, a, any event, any club can have a slam hunt if they schedule it as such, and uh, they're not required to hunt off that final cast. You know, so and a, a lot of clubs are having double header slams. So in those double headers, as a matter of fact, it's mandatory that they just split it. So that would not be considered a full elimination event. But the super slams we're talking about, we are going to require, that would be a, a full elimination event because we are going to require them to hunt off that final cast. That's right. And the super slams, they're going to be advertised as such. Whenever we put them out there, you'll know uh, they're, they're going to be uh, capped hunts. We'll know exactly how many entries are going to be at the hunt before you get there. You'll know how many dogs are advancing, so uh, so that'll. And this, I feel like this is very necessary for us to come with this. I think the timing is right because just in in our world today, so many things have changed. You know, one of the things we're seeing a lot more invitational type events with limited number of entries. 
and this is going to fit right in where where we can uh, better manage some of those, you know. And, and one of those that's coming up, the Super Slams, is uh, the Ten Mile Club in Tennessee, which you happen you're going to go down there this weekend, and you're going to be at it. So at, at the time of this recording, that's that hunt's going to happen this weekend. What did they name that? The Ten Mile Three Hundred. Yeah, ten. Yeah, Ten Mile Three Hundred. Yeah. So that that would uh be the entry fee, three hundred dollars. They're gonna have a sixteen dog hunt, and that's gonna be November nineteenth this weekend. By the time you hear this, it'll already be passed. But uh, it was a club that's uh, been interested in putting on a higher uh, entry fee, higher payout style event, and uh, kind of just worked out to kind of run what we're gonna call a pilot here with some of the the new things that we have uh, been working on here the past couple weeks, and I'll be down there to. To see how it goes and yeah. runs and, and maybe learn something from it and uh yeah that's alan roberts and those guys down there at the 10 mile club and they they uh took uh entries in and it filled up in a matter of what a day or two or less oh no it? It, it filled up in like two or three hours Did it? Okay. yeah yeah a so, 300 dollars entry fee you know that's going to end up paying out uh two thousand dollars i think to the winner so yeah, so I think more more events or events like that are becoming more and more popular. So this uh, full elimination format rules is come is coming at a good time. So let's talk about what they aren't. Well, we already did basically your standard events, slams, zones, regions. Autumn Oaks is not other than the Grand Sixteen. Winter Classic wouldn't be one of the Grand American. None of those. Those are just regular standard events. But uh, right, yeah. So and and like we talked about a little bit before already. Uh, this is going to be these full elimination format events are pre-approval only, not something that you can decide that, hey, my club's going to have a, a full elimination style event on a Friday night that we have uh, tentatively scheduled on our schedule. That's not how it's going to work out. They're going to be pre-approved by us. Uh, the clubs that are hosting them are probably going to be pre-selected, and, and uh, we're going to do a lot of homework, and we're going to uh, roll these out best we can. We still don't have all the details in place for how that's going to happen, but uh, to host an event like this, not just any club can, uh, the they're going to have to be pre-approved and it's going to, you're going to be made aware that this event's going down from the advertisement that we're going to put into it. Yeah. And that's something clubs that would be interested in something like that, that should talk to you about that directly. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so one thing that's a little bit different from this and they'll say it right there in the rule book. And now we're just going section by section in the rule book underneath the full elimination format section of the rule book. That was point one. Point two is going to say that rules for a particular event may be considered based on UKC's discretion and approval, uh, refer to sp specific event ad for the hunt you're attending for any such details. So if there's any kind of variation in payouts or uh, how many dogs are entering or maybe a specific rule set for this event, we can kind of uh, maneuver it how we need to to make it the most successful it can be. Right, right. Um, host clubs, like we talked about, they're going to be the ones putting on these uh, Super Slam type events. Uh, so they will be determining hunt times. They can determine whether they're going to be using hunting or non-hunting judges in the early rounds. Uh, you can figure that for the later rounds, you're probably going to see non-hunting judges. Um, whether they use a master hounds or hunt director format, all those type of things. Yep. Right. And one thing that's going to be uh, uh, in common with slam events starting in 2023 is that all dogs are going to be drawn out together, regardless of any titles that they've accrued. That's a that's a change that's coming for our slams, but it's also going to be the same in any full elimination format event, whether it's obviously the world finals, TLC finals, all those dogs are drawn out together from the same pool. Same is going to be, the, it's going to be the same for the super slams as well. Yeah. And any full elimination events, all dogs draw out together using championship rules as they apply to night champions and grand night champions. Yep. And the only difference with that is uh, the off game rule. That's the only difference. Yeah. Where in uh, open registered, a dog will get minus for tree and off game. Whereas in uh, champion or grand night champion uh, cast, they get scratched for that. That's the only difference. 
now we're really going to get into some of the procedural stuff that's kind of a little bit different from any other standard events you're going to see on UKC's And a few uh, of them schedule. a lot different, actually. So uh, yeah. the first thing here right off the bat, something that you wouldn't see in any other UKC event up until this point. And all these things we're going to talk about here are, in fact, noted in the new rule book. Right. Yep. So it says that if at any point only one dog remains in the cast, the hunt is considered over and that remaining dog is your winner. Cast winner. Right. Right. And the, you know, the idea, their score doesn't, in these full elimination events, scored really does not matter, you know, and uh, you don't need your, uh, you know, somebody having a honey hole and, or, or uh, uh, not as good a place to hunt. All that doesn't matter. It's you are competing only against those dogs you are directly competing against. Takes the look so completely out of it. It does. So yep. if at any point only one dog remains in the cast, there's no other dogs to defeat that. The hunt ends right there. And the dog's going to move on. He's done. Pick the dog up and go back to the clubhouse, wait for series number two. Uh, and this is something that's very, very different from normal. And that's, this does not apply to your regular events, you know, where a dog must hunt the full advertised hunt time in order to be eligible to be considered a cast winner. But that's, uh, that's, this is one of the differences here in a full elimination event. Uh, the second thing it says here, a total score of plus points is not required for a dog to be considered the cast winner and eligible to advance to the next round. Yep, and that's probably one of them that we're going to, there's going to be a lot of debate about, you know, because for years and years, it's always been tradition in UKC, you always had to have plus points. And and that is still going to be true for the majority of the events, but there's so many things uh, in full elimination events and, and some things that we've mentioned, you know, payout events, that money has to pay, be paid out to somebody. Um, what you talked about at the world championship where we had it set up for a final cast to, to, uh, on Saturday night, you know, have everything set up to, to put those, uh, dogs on a platform like that. And, uh, and folks watching this and that, if we don't put some of these rules in place, uh, we might not get to that point. And this is something that allows us make so we can make that happen. This is, uh, some new language for, for. I guess both of us, obviously you've been uh, with UKC for a lot longer and you've been dealing with uh, the mandatory plus points to advance or to win your cast uh, for many years now. Um, and I think putting this section in the rule book was especially hard for, for, uh, for us to put our heads together and figure out how that's supposed to be worded just because it's so different than right. what we're used to. Right. Um, do we want to talk at all about um, – about what who's going to win cast and if there's no plus points or do you yeah, want to no, just refer to the rule no, book? No, absolutely. Okay. I, th I think so. It, it is in the rule book, but I think this is a good place to go over it. But yeah, okay, absolutely. So the first cast, obviously, if you have a, a total score of plus points and you're the cast winner, you're going to win your cast, same as always. Mm -hmm. But what's going to happen if you don't have plus points? So let's. Uh, so uh, part A underneath that in the rule book is going to say if no dogs finish with a total score of plus points, then the dog with the best total score, even if uh, even if it is zero or less, is considered the cast winner. However, a dog with any amount of plus or circled tree points shall be considered over a dog without plus or circled tree points. That's right. And that's what they call, you know, a dog uh, winning out with that has a legitimate tree. So a dog that has made a tree that has a circle or uh, plus points on the scorecard should always be should always be considered first over a dog that has not made a tree or that even has made a minus tree for that fact or for that matter. Um, but, uh, and, and I think that's pretty straightforward there, but that, so let's, let's give a scenario of dog A and dog B. So let's say dog B has, a, ends up with a total score of, let's say a hundred minus and dog A or dog A has a total score of 100 minus dog B has a, a total score of 50 minus. 
But um, let's say dog A had a had one circle tree on the scorecard, a strike and circled, uh, made a tree, was circled, didn't see a coon, but it was circled. Consider that still a legitimate tree, or it could, it could have been plus or whatever. In this case, let's say it was circled. Uh, dog B has not made a tree at all. So now, but the ending score, dog A has a score of 100 minus, and dog B only has 50 minus, has a better total ending score. However, dog A should be your winner over dog B. Because of that, tree. because of the tree points on the scorecard, even though they're circled or plussed, but now a minus tree would not uh, would not count there. But yeah, so let's talk uh, talk about ties a little bit. Um, same as ties would be in a regular event. The first thing you're going to do is refer to Rule 13 A through E. Yeah, to look at the tiebreaker right. rules, and only A through E are going to be used here. We're not going to take them to the the final straw there because there's some other uh, situations involved here that they have the. The ability to do, and that's that we're gonna uh, they're gonna allow overtime in these full elimination yeah. events if there's still a tie, an unbreakable tie at the end of the cast. Yeah, in the rule book, rule F talks about that the dogs involved in the unbreakable tie at that point could hunt in one hour intervals right. between the dogs involved, or if both parties agree, they could flip a coin. But that's where this is going to change for these full elimination events. One hour intervals is not going to be an option. Obviously, for a lot of these events are going to have late rounds, and they need to get those dogs in and be ready to go for the next series. Having dogs out there still hunting another hour is obviously not going to work well, so that's why we change that. But it's going to be an overtime hunt of sorts, but uh, but that's why. And it may also be uh, it, it, the handlers uh, involved could still agree to flip a coin. And the, a situation where you might flip the coin is whatever, hey, the deadline's coming up. We got a little bit of a drive back to the clubhouse. Uh, can't get the hunt in if we hunt overtime possibly yeah. and get the dogs yeah. rounded up. That's when you may consider flipping a coin. Yeah. Case. So, but let's cover this overtime. What an yeah. overtime is going to be like here. And right there under C, you'll, it has a, kind of the overtime defined. In the event of an overtime, the dogs will continue to compete at the conclusion of regulation without an inter interruption, meaning they should they will not be handled. Uh, there's no time period established for the overtime. Instead, the first dog to score during the overtime period determines the cast winner. Uh, the dead the deadline to return to headquarters may not be adjusted even if there was an overtime yeah so the the handlers that that whole deadline return uh return deadline may play a little part in whether they just agree to flip or or if they just hunt this overtime or what have you but uh so what we mean by uh going back to cover a little bit uh uh dogs will continue to compete at the conclusion of regulation without interruption so without interruption let's say the dogs are out there they're struck in at that point those dogs basically, whenever uh, at the end of regulation, their strike points are deleted at that point. But um, uh, in this case, they're going to they're going to stay out there. You don't call them in. You don't stop the time or anything. You know the regular hunt's over with. But leave the dogs as they are, where they are, and the next dog of the, between the ones that are involved, the next dog to score. So let's say let's let's give a scenario. Let's say dog A trees, uh, dog A trees is called tree. Everything else, same rules still apply. Wait the three minutes, what have you. Uh, uh, dog A trees. And dog, uh, uh, you go in, you score the tree. If that tree is plus, dog A is going to be your winner. That simple. If the tree is circled, dog A is going to be your winner because circle points now come into play again. Right. And that's going to break that tie, obviously. Now, if it's, a, if it's a slick tree, if the tree were to happen to get minus, dog B is going to win. Because that was the first scoring that took place that determines your winner. So uh, the first dog to get treed is really going to uh, determine. Now, it doesn't have necessarily have to get treed. 
let's say dog let's say dog A was to come in and takes a minus or either any one of those dogs come and take a minus, boom, right there, the other dog is your winner. Yeah. The first plus, scoring. Yep. Yeah. Any plus, minus, or circle that happens in an overtime period is going to break the tie exactly. according to our tiebreakers. And it's and it's done and decided at that point. And obviously all that doesn't affect the score or anything. You don't write that's not part of you don't add that to the score or anything like that. All you're doing at this point is determining who which one is your cast winner with the score that they had. And the final bullet point here to talk about uh, referring to non-plus point cast winning dogs, it just says that a dog that has been withdrawn or scratched from the cast is not eligible to be named the cast winner. If all dogs in the cast are withdrawn or scratched, that cast will not advance any dog to the next round. That would be the only only exception to where there would not be a dog advance from every any cast, and that's if all dogs in the cast are scratched. Uh, and rightfully so. You yeah. wouldn't want a dog scratched for be it off game or especially not for fighting or something like that. That uh, that dog should be done. Should not be eligible to advance. It. But I think that's uh, that. I think that should explain it uh, fairly well. And 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 I like it. And I think um, uh, for these type of events, uh, this this works. And you you about need this to to make them work. Right. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, something you alluded to a little bit earlier is that the full elimination format events are going to require hunt offs. So be no splitting um, unless it's uh, notated elsewhere on an event ad. That may be one that, you know, that we may or may not approve, you know, based on what have you, you know. But, uh, yeah, otherwise uh, uh, they ha they'd have to hunt. Hunting or not hunting and, and splitting the awards is not going to be an option. Uh, some of the last bullet points there in that section in the rule book, you'll see first it tells a little bit about placements within a cast or within an event. Uh, first in a cast, uh, placements in the final cast are determined by final scores or by order of elimination in that cast. Yeah. And yeah. now you're talking yeah. about the final cast. Final cast. Okay. Final cast. Yep. Uh, if multiple dogs are scratched simultaneously, the scores they had at the time of being scratched will be used to determine placement. Yep. So that's for final cast. Uh, pretty straightforward language there in that section. Yep. Uh, the next one is a little bit different from what we used to do, and this is something you'll probably see in like the top twenty of the World Hunt whenever we're using different casts to place our top twenty. Yeah, and, and there there will be events that come up where they only place the the dogs in the final cast first through fourth, but there's going to be other events where they may place more than than that. You know, just the uh, the uh, the World Championship is obviously a good example of that. You know, where we place them one through twentieth, but this is a part that is also going to be different that. Uh, I uh, hope folks will pay attention to it. But it, again, it is along the same concept, same theory, as you're only competing directly against those dogs you're competing against, and score really doesn't uh, doesn't play any part. Right. It does a little bit, but not as not right. not like the uh, uh, any other like it was before. Yeah. Sure. Right. And this just talks about placements beyond the final cast, and those are going to be determined by your non-cast winning scores, mm -hmm. uh, which which is the same that it is right now, but as it is now, it could all, uh, fifth through seventh could all be from the same cast, just a really high scoring cast that was in a kind of a pocket of cones and having good scores. Now it's going to be that dogs finishing second in their cast will always finish above dogs that finish third in their cast. And then following that dogs that finish third in their cast are always going to finish in front of dogs that finish fourth in their cast. Right. And, and I like that. That's uh, And that may be another reason why, you know, even if you're not winning your cast, if you are in contention to place in an event, you know, that's something to think about, you know, and and, and how you place in your cast. But uh, And then the other thing is if, uh, you know, you're talking about scratch dogs or withdrawn or scratch dogs, they will, they will never place – a scratch dog will always have to place the lowest in – the, in the lowest uh, placement of any cast. So what I mean by that, if you have – 
in a round where they are all three dog casts, a dog that's scratched is going to place a third. Even if there's multiple dogs, they're right. all placed third. Right. Uh, and if there's, if there's any four dog casts, they'll all place fourth. So technically you could have uh, three, let's say you have a total of four casts in, in the semifinal round, four casts, and you have uh, one four dog cast and three three dog casts. That means even in the three dog cast, any dog that places second or uh, gets scratched, even though they were in a three dog cast, they're still going to be considered fourth because there was one cast in that round that had up to four dogs in it. Right. So they'll place fourth. A scratch dog can never place above a dog that didn't scratch. Right. And I guess the very last bullet point of the whole section there in the rule book is going to tell you that cast winners are going to earn a win towards their championship degree. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's any time in a, it doesn't matter how many rounds it is, whether it's one, two or three. And even if, and even if, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't, that includes a dog that even didn't even hunt the whole time of regulation. One dog remaining, that dog's going to be considered the cast winner and he'll get credit for that in his championship, uh, uh, degree. And same with a final cast, which is not true under regular slam events, you know, because those are not mandatory hunt offs. And those winners, even if they did hunt it off, they're not going to get a win at a regular slam. But under these full elimination events, they will, in fact, yeah. uh, get a win. And just to reiterate, this is a very limited uh, amount of UKC events a year. This is not going to be for your standard UKC right. license event or for right. a, a large majority of the events of the year. So Good point. make sure you know that this is only what we just talked about. It's only for full elimination format events. Uh, another change coming to the rule book this year is one that we kind of just uh, finished up here the last couple of days, and that's allowing secondary handlers uh, for for primary handlers at the bench show who have physical limitations, uh, basically the inability to gate their dog, uh, being able to have a second a second handler. And what, basically what we did here is just add a couple of clarifications to the rule book. Um, the first one is going to come under the bench show rule section of the rule book. This is going to be added at the end. Number 26 now reads, one handler per dog. A handler that is unable to properly gate the dog due to physical limitations may request in writing to UKC for approval to use a second handler for gating purposes. Upon receiving the request, UKC will review and, if approved, send an official letter that is to be shown to judge upon entry into the show. That's much uh, much the same as our uh, handlers that uh, want to use an auxiliary hearing device. Right. where they're required to have sent us something from their doctor showing they have a hearing dis, uh, uh, impairment, and uh, we would give them, uh, we would allow them to use an auxiliary hearing device. And when they have that, they need to show that letter to the entry taker or the, right. the official that, hey, I am approved for this, and, and I'm going to be using that uh, hearing device, and the same is going to be true for this. Yep. Now, the only thing that they won't need is a letter from their doctor, but we'll need to know why or what their issue is, you know, and it's not, and the reason for this is, um, is so we can't, you and I talked about this and, and I should not be able to use you to gate my dog just because you're better at gating dogs than I am. That's not the intent of it. It's for uh legitimate, if, if it's, if I'm legitimately cannot move around the ring and gate my dog in a manner that it needs to be gated for the judge to judge it properly. That's what this is for, for those folks. Yeah. And then they just need, we'll get them a, an, an official letter on UKC letterhead that they would then uh, show the entry takers and the judge that, hey, when my time comes um, for my dog, I'm going to have a, a second person gating the dog, and then I'm going to assume uh, showing the dog for the rest of the, of the evaluation. 
Yeah, and you're also going to find this under the Coonhound Bench Show Judge Authority and Responsibility section, that next section there in the rule book under Section 20 that the Bench Show Judges need to be really aware of. And there it's going to tell you a judge shall only allow one handler per dog unless proper notation is provided from the handler when entering uh, with official letter from UKZ State and otherwise. So once we get the letter from you, we're going to uh, obviously go over it, review it, and uh, and if you get approved, we're going to send you an official letter on letterhead, like you said, and you're going to have to take that letter with you when you enter bench shows and let the judge and the intertakers know when you're there. That way they know ahead of time. Now, this, is, this is under um, bench show rules, you know, so this is a rule. You know, it's if, if, some, if I don't have this letter with me, then judges should absolutely not approve it. And if they're doing that, if they are allowing it, then they are violating the rule. Uh, shouldn't be too much. And I think folks that uh, that need this, they will make sure they will keep that uh, copy of that official letter with them. And quickly, we'll just talk about what this is going to look like in the ring. Um, basically, like you said, there's going to be one handler that brings the dog into the ring, gates the dog to the requirement of the judge. And I assume during that time period, the other handler is going to be getting their self in place at a bench. So that way, when the gating period's over, he can hand the dog or they can hand the dog over to the to the secondary handler who's going to then uh, stack and show the dog. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we would always recommend that the uh, secondary handler stays close by outside the ring in case uh, further gating is necessary from yeah. the judge in those instances. Yeah, well, the, the person at the bench for uh, technical purposes would be the, the, uh, the handler. Right. The other person would be their secondary handler. We'll be right back. Alan, we both had Dr. Pathfinder 2s now for a little while. What do you think about yours? I'm liking mine. One of the things I had the opportunity to now download a map of an area where I did not have service, and I've used it there, and it has worked flawlessly. I love it. Yeah, I love the crystal clear maps. I love that I never lose reception on my dog's collars anymore. Highly recommended by me as well. Dogtra Pathfinder 2, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. Hey, Trevor, how about those wait times in the registration queue these days? Uh, that department's done an awesome job cutting down on call queue wait times, shortening the length of time between emails, and the chat feature is still a short, valuable option. And those those times have went down to nothing. Uh, these days, uh, there is hardly any wait time at all. Right. And you're able to get a hold of those departments from 8.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time now, Monday through Friday. I guess kind of speaking of uh, bench show changes, we also changed a little bit of language uh, in another section of our bench show uh, section of the rule book right there underneath the uh, the bench show rules again. And this is to number 24, where basically all it did was define uh, overshot and undershot bites. Uh, it just says dogs will be disqualified if overshot or undershot. Yeah. One of the reasons uh, for this is because we do have a, quite a few crossovers that are uh, of uh, bench showers that are also uh, uh, Competing the confirmation right, of the show right. site. And and the uh the overshot, undershot definition of that is not was not the same in our Hunan rule book as what they have it. So uh yeah, we just made some changes to make it the same. Right. Yeah. Our our definition of it used to be very vague. Theirs was a little more descriptive, so we just took theirs. And basically this is just how it's gonna read now. It it defines undershot as the front teeth and scissors of the lower jaw overlapping or projecting beyond the front teeth of the upper jaw when the mouth is closed. And then it defines overshot by saying the incisors of the upper jaw projecting beyond the incisors of the lower jaw, thus resulting in the space between the respective inner and outer surfaces. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and the rule book was, in fact, very vague in, in explaining this in the past versions, you know, so uh, 
uh, this should help judges and, and handlers alike to get on the same page with that. And then it'll also be exactly the same as it is in the confirmation. Which is the uh, most rules. important part of right, the job. Right, right. And it's also important. This won't be in the uh, breed standards. You'll see this in the other sections of the rule books as they apply to bench show rules. Right. And this isn't even a rule. This is just a definition of what over or under shot is. So, yeah. Yeah. So if if you guys were have been a listener for us for a long time now, you'll remember back to episode two, right at the very first beginning of the of the podcast, we talked a lot about our youth programs. And one of the things we mentioned back then was the junior handler enrollment form and how we're going to start depending on that form more, uh, being able to compile points to keep uh, get record of the the youth that are competing in our events better. And uh, with the junior enrollment form coming, we have decided to do away with our YEP cards, uh, kind of redundant there as Obviously, they're filling out these enrollment forms at events. We're mailing them cards that they already have. So, Their youth uh, handler card. Yeah, so we're, we're doing away with YEP cards yeah. uh, moving forward in events. And any language that refers to YEP cards in our rule book uh, in the previous version, in the, in the 2023 version, will no longer be. Yeah, and it's, uh, folks can go onto our website to download that youth uh, uh, bio form. Uh, so we need some information on the youth, and their birth date is what's the uh, very important and that's what their number that they're going to get is based on their birth date. You know, so it's it starts with the year they were born. Those are the first four numbers uh, that they'll have. And then the next two numbers are the month uh, that the uh, the youth was born. And then followed by the two, the last two numbers denote the day. So those eight numbers right there. And then after that, there's three more numbers, 001, unless a kid has the same exact birthday as another kid already in the system then this, this youth is going to get a 002 or a 003. So, uh, but that's one way parents can help remember what the youth's number is if they don't have, happen to have their card. But it's very important when they, when they go com, uh, compete, participate, that they do uh, make sure they write their youth handler number on those reports. Yeah, that's right. And another thing that's very important to to us as a company, and I think of the future of coon hunting, is going to be that at the YEP events, we still have those YEP classes. After all, YEP stands for Youth Education Program. Right, I think it's important right. when we have the, the youth there at the event, the kids at the event, we take that opportunity and we're teaching them something. Yes, something, uh, anything. Yeah. There's so many yes. things. We talked about that in our department yesterday. The girls were asking us, you know, well, what classes do they need to be teaching? And, you know, it's not for us to say we, we have some, there's some uh, ideas, suggestions on our website, I believe, right? Yes, there's a, a under good the, list of yeah. ideas for anybody. And if you get a hold of us, you're thinking about hosting a YEP event, I can direct you there or even mail you a copy of that list and give you some good ideas. It can be a lot of things, a lot of things, be, be it game laws, be it uh, how to take care of your dogs in the summertime, in the wintertime, uh, just a whole lot of things. Get uh, Learn about game laws in your state, in your county, in your what have you. But yeah, so many different things. Teach them something. Take the opportunity when you have a bunch of kids together and teach them something. That's right. And now we're kind of done talking about rules and procedures for the 2023 rule book. They're kind of covered up three podcast episodes. So we got a lot of, it seems like a lot of changes, but when you get down to it, most of it was just some different language and, and obviously some rule changes, but you'll want to, uh, refer back to episode 22, 24, and then obviously this episode that you're listening to now uh, to be kind of your go-to for all rule changes and procedural changes that we're going to see in this new rule book that you're going to be getting. So now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about our HTX program. Uh, this is a program that was established at UKC in 2007, not long after you started. So uh, you may be able to tell us a little bit more about the origin of the event 
uh, before we get into kind of the the details of the of the program? Yeah, well, Hunt, HTX stands for Hunt Test Excellence, and this is uh, got to give Todd Kellum kudos for this program. This was kind of a brainchild of his. He's it's something that he had wanted to uh, kind of come uh, put into place long before I came around, and and. And he, he laid out most of the details, worked on most of this, and uh, so kudos to him. And, you know, uh, I think in one of the podcasts we did recently, we talked about how none of the night hunt rule changes affect anything in HTX. And since 2007, uh, we have made very, very few and very minor changes Probably to it. Probably telemetry so, systems right. and yep. now thermal imaging devices, yeah. which we'll get to yep. later. Yep, but that's about it. But yep. uh yeah, so it was established in 2007 already, and it offers an opportunity for uh, quality dogs to earn a performance title uh, for doing what they're bred to do, uh, and that is training the game of their choice. When I say game of their choice, obviously for coonons it would be raccoons. Right. But this same program is also built for uh, uh, squirrel hunters, the squirrel, squirrel hunt dogs, you know, be it feist, cur, feist. The only things, and you'll see in the rules, the only difference between uh, a night hunt rules and, uh, you know, uh, or squirrel rules in HTX is in, uh, for squirrels, the dogs are not required to open on the ground. Right. Whereas in night hunts, they are. And that doesn't mean a, uh, a, a cur dog could actually also, uh, compete on squirrel or on raccoon in this as well. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first thing we'll talk about is how do clubs schedule these things? Um, so basically any UKC approved club in good standing and unless otherwise, notified for some reason they've had trouble with the events in the past they can schedule one of these it's not uh not a pre-approval type thing as long as you're in good standing with us and you've got a you got a ukc license club already you can uh, put in to host a hdx event yeah there's no conflict file like there is or a conflict of, uh, to watch out for other events you know like it is for night hunts you know can a club can't have an event with uh, with another club within 100 miles having an event on the same day. But that's not true for this club, so just schedule them whenever they want to. A lot of clubs are scheduling them on their meeting nights once yeah. a month. You know, and they did that from the beginning. I still know clubs that are doing that uh, still to this day on their meeting idea. nights. They have their meeting, and then uh, whoever wants to goes out and does they test and evaluate some dogs. But, yeah, the only thing with scheduling, up. speaking of scheduling, the only requirement there is that – they have to schedule them no less than 30 days out. Yep. In other words, today here, as we're recording, this is the 15th, uh, November the 15th. So I couldn't schedule anything for my club any sooner than December 15th. Matter of fact, I think our systems are set up where they won't even allow us to. That's right. And they're super easy to schedule. Don't have to even call in the office or talk to us about available dates. Like you said, uh, just as simple as going to the website, ukcdogs.com. Uh, going under events and programs and to the uh, HTX page, and you can schedule an event right there. Simple as putting in, obviously, the location of your club, entry fee, and deadline, and you're set. Yeah, and same way with, uh, with we don't send you a packet. Um, you can get, you download all your items, your, your reports, your scorecards, your rules, and all that is all right there on the website that you can print off right there. Yeah. And no license fees? No license fees, $3 per dog. So it's uh, cost efficient for a club. If you can get right. a, a few dogs to show up for a meeting, that seems like a really good way to, to get some money earned for the club. Right. Um, one thing that you didn't mention earlier, obviously, it has to be over 30 days out for you to schedule them. Also, you can schedule them any day of the week. These are uh, Monday through Saturday. Sunday is the only exclusion. You can That's, schedule them any day but Sunday. So, right, right. Uh, there's a ton of a ton of wiggle room there. and We see clubs that have them every uh, every other Tuesday or something, something as often as that, there's a lot of opportunities out there for clubs. 
uh, to schedule and try different things with these HTX events. Yeah, and then from that same page is where you can also go on click to see what uh, what HTX events are scheduled for you to go to. You can, uh, you know, there you have them in, in a lot of the different states. Yep. Um, and probably the last thing to talk about whenever you're talking about scheduling the events is that these events don't don't count against the seven event dates that you're allowed to host right. a year as a right. club. Uh, the HTX events are a completely separate entity right. than your night hunt right. events. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, title requirements. Title requirements just takes three uh, HTX passes to get to get a HTX title in your dog that must be under three different inspectors. Um, An inspector would be considered the judge that goes with you. Yep, that's right. And uh, same as our any, all of our other Coonhound events, they also have multiplier titles for the HTX event. So for every three additional passes that you get, you get a multiplier on the end of it. HTX2, yeah. HTX3, right. HTX4. Yeah, There's and, dogs out there that have HTX 20s at this point. Yeah, and I should probably explain a little more, a little bit more in depth to begin with there. But uh, uh, in these, a dog just goes out by itself. It does not compete right. against another dog. It's just turned loose by itself, and it has to, uh, you know, meet. Uh, there's uh, there's requirements for the dog to meet in order to get a pass. It's about it's a pass or a fail type right. of a of a test. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the the background of the HTX events and talking about some of the procedural side of it for the host clubs. But let's get into the rules of it now yeah. for anybody who's yeah. interested in competing against these. Uh, like you said, it's a single dog hunting at a time, and the dog must be free cast and search for wild game. We can't cut them loose and enclosures coon pens can't cut them loose on, right on a feeder can't cut them loose on a coon crossing the road have mm -hmm. to go somewhere and uh, cut them into the wild in search of free game so yeah they have to take off and go go hunt on their own and look for game themselves yep uh dogs have to hunt an hour one hour. An hour one hour um, the only uh, exception for that is if a dog is in the middle of trailing when time runs out in an hour they get an additional 15 minutes uh, to try to finish that trail that they're working out. And the only time that would be uh, necessary would be if the dog still at that point has not uh, made, uh, met the criteria for a pass. You know, if it already has met that criteria, then there's no need to allow the dog to continue on for 15 more minutes. Well, let's talk about the criteria for a pass. Yeah. Obviously, like you said, there's no points in an HTX event. You're by yourself and it's basically pass or it's, it's, it's pass or fail. There's no yep. points, yep. no minus plus circle, any of that stuff. Yeah. There's uh, there's a, uh, Basically five or four different things, four, yeah. four requirements. It has to go hunting, number one, has to go hunting uh, on its own. Like I said, can't encourage it or whatever. We turn it loose. I, it can't, uh, you know, it has to go. I can't go shoo it off and this and that or walk on it or whatever. It has to go. So it has to go hunting. Number two, when it, op or, uh, when it gets on a track, it has to be an open trailer. A silent trailer should never be uh, earn a pass here. They have to. It's for open trailing dogs. It's just what uh, what these dogs were bred uh, bred to do. Uh, and then they tree and stay treed. And that time again, they have to stay treed for um, for five minutes. five minutes. That's one of the requirements. So go hunting, open on track, tree and stay treed. And then number four, the important thing is that they do have game in the tree. A coon is actually seen. Yep. If they meet that all within that one hour hunt. They have met that requirement uh, for a pass, but they haven't passed yet. They have to hunt the whole hour. And the other thing is they have to do these four things without uh, making two faults. If they have two faults at any time, that dog is out. So uh, uh, let's uh, let's cover what, what a fault might be. Yeah, so they've got six uh, faults here listed on the, on the report whenever you're scoring a dog or you're inspecting a dog. The first would be off game. 
That would be considered a fault. Yep. Yep. Uh, second would be treeing a slick tree. Yep. Third would be quitting a track. Yep. That would be back. like a dog. A dog goes out, opens up on track, comes back into the cast or the judge, evaluator or whatever. He's going to give him a demerit there, quitting yep. for quitting a track. Yep. There's no points involved. It's just a, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this next one's kind of interesting. Handling issues is, yep. a, is a fault. Yeah. That's one that I remember Todd was kind of big on. You know, dogs should be, you should be able to handle them or whatever. You know, when you call dogs in or be it calling dogs in or, or being able to handle them at a tree or what have you, that they don't just run off, you know, but that would be considered a demerit if they yeah. just won't handle at all. And on our evaluation forms and in our rule book as well, it defines each of these and what it means. And under handling issues, it says, if dog cannot be caught to be handled at tree, truck, or in the woods, it shall receive a fault. If a dog bites any participant, it shall receive a fault. Yeah, yeah. Then there's a couple more there. Leaving a tree or milling around would be considering a hunt or, or a, a be considered a demerit or, or failing to hunt. A yep. dog that just won't go hunting or whatever, that's a demerit as well. Electronic very, devices. Very basic, you know, as far as the easy. criteria and yeah. the, uh, the merits and the demerits, you know. So, again, dog has to hunt for a full hour and meet those four uh, those four situations. When hunting, open on the track, trees and stays treed, and then a coon scene. Let's say, for instance, what happens. Let's say a dog does a, a dog can tree on a den tree. You know, it might be a we might consider it a legitimate tree. It's a den tree. A coon's probably inside the den, but we have not seen it. That is not enough for a pass. And that will happen on nights when a dog really doesn't do anything wrong, but it did not do it did not meet the criteria. And that coon scene is a big one. You know, so if it does everything like that and ends up on a dense tree where you don't get a coon scene, that is, that's not going to be a pass right there. It's not met that last thing right there. Um, so uh, we'd have to hopefully make another tree before the hour is up and do all that without making two faults. Yeah. So next we'll get into some of the electronic devices you can use in a hunt. And basically it's the same exact as our night hunt rules. Um, tracking collars are permitted in HTX events, but if they have any sort of training, uh, capabilities whether it's like shocking or, or toning yep, yep that's yep, right the yep. handheld would have to be left in the truck same as our night hunt tele right. telemetry rules right. um and now with the change this year we have allowed the use of thermal imaging devices that's the one thing we've added with the most recent rule changes to night hunts where they allow thermal imaging we're also going to allow these handlers to use thermal imaging in a htx event yep. uh let's talk about this there's actually a whole a whole section here uh dedicated to sportsmanship and i figure we might as well talk on that a little bit because mm -hmm. with it just being an inspector and a handler in the woods most of the time uh that can kind of uh, be important uh, we yeah. never have issues with yeah. it really but just to mention it here real quick you know uh, and, and i'd yeah. like to add to that you know this has been in since 2007 and really we just have zero zero uh, all things considered sure there's been a few things but over the years very very minimal um uh, issues with uh uh, when it comes to sportsmanship or, right. or or issues out there in the field. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, basically, the rule book says inspectors may be asked questions regarding their evaluation in the field. If at any time the tone becomes confrontational, inspectors are instructed to immediately fail the dog. Uh, just get ahead of it before it gets too bad. And, and I remember when sense. we put that in, that you know, that's pretty, that's pretty stiff right there. You know, so um, I think, and I think that's a good rule to have in there. You know, so don't... Uh, uh, you know, the inspector is there to do his job and, and you know, his, he is, uh, his uh, character is kind of on the line here. You know, integrity is huge. Oftentimes we're just talking about two people in the, in the woods, you know, that are, that are doing this, you know, so uh, 
Yeah, it's it's the inspector. He's in charge, you know. And and if you don't agree with uh, with his opinions or what have you, I it's probably best you just keep that to yourself, you know, because otherwise he's not going to mess around long and he's just going to fail your dog. Right. If if something were to happen and you disagree with the inspector's evaluation, you do have the ability to send in a written statement to us within seven days. And for us to review, right? Uh, this hasn't right. happened in the years that I've been here. Never almost. happened. Never I don't, happened. I don't remember that I've ever received one. Uh, the next point here: taking game is prohibited. Uh, that's important to note. Uh, if you're found doing so, individuals will be dealt with under the inherent right and powers of UKC. Right. Um, Which yeah. I can tell you, yeah. uh, plainly put, it'll be barred. <laughs> <laughs> we can kind of laugh about it, but I it, that's never happened that i'm that i'm aware of not in htx events yeah people don't want to get bored no. i guess there we go uh next it talks about a sit there's actually a uh the last point there says assistance it says individuals needing assistance may utilize personal transportation during the hunt test something yeah. a little bit different from night hunts. it is and that what that means if if they if they're hunting somewhere where they could uh uh go on a four-wheeler or something like that is perfectly fine here it's one of the differences yep and this isn't the last point on our evaluation rules, but it's probably the one that we see the most issues out of on our end. And that's just talking about how do we select this the inspector for this dog on a given night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the main the main point that we see uh, abused in the in the events and where we have to take passes away for dogs or not mm-hmm. apply it to their points record yeah. is whenever uh, you, you me and you you're my inspector on the first round, then we come back and I inspect your dog on the late round. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Right. The rules prohibit that. It says uh, it is not permissible for individuals to inspect each other's dogs on a given night. It says it plainly in the rules. And even and even uh, goes so far on the uh, evaluation sheet that the inspector is going to be using during the night. It says, on uh, I, may, I may not later have a dog I own or handle inspected by any person who previously accompanied me to the woods. Right. Pretty straightforward, black yeah. and white there. Yeah. Um, another thing for inspectors to remember, you could have, you cannot expect a, inspect a dog that you have bred, trained, or housed. Right. Uh, you can't inspect a dog that you have are a regular hunting partner with. Yeah, let's define regular hunting yes. partner because we get that question quite a bit. Well, what what is that? What does that mean? Um, so you and I hunt together a couple times a year. That we're not regular hunting partners. Right. Uh, we hunt together maybe once or maybe even more than that. That's still not a regular hunting partner. A regular hunting partner is somebody you and I own dogs together. We hunt together all the time, maybe on a weekly basis or at least four or five times a month. That makes us regular right. hunting partners. Yeah. You know, so it's just a little common sense here goes a long ways. And really, you know, uh, a lot of this has to do with um, you and I could probably, and there's a, most guys can, you and I could go out and we could give a fair evaluation on each other's dogs. That's not the point of it. Probably the bigger part of it is the perception of it. Yep. Uh, does not look good. And, you know, uh, this is a title that the dog's going to get. It's a suffix title. And it goes after the dog's name. So we also want it to be a, uh, a legit title. And, uh, and, and folks take it seriously. And I think for the most part they do. But that's probably the biggest thing that we've seen. Sometimes it's not malicious. They just didn't know. They go out and they judge each other's dogs. And we get it that it complicates things for it not this easiest thing for clubs sometimes, you know, to just turn around and judge each other's dogs, you know, but um, it it needs to be that way to uphold the integrity of this whole program. Now, one of the things I will add to it is a, probably a good place here to talk about that is I, if I'm evaluating dogs, I could take your dog and I could take Todd Kellum's dog at the same time and we can run your dog for an hour, do a test on it, and then we can turn Todd's dog loose too. But another thing that we can do, if, if I take multiple dogs, 
I can turn your dog, we can turn your dog loose. Maybe it goes over here and trees a coon in 10 minutes. Uh, we can put it back in. I'll keep my time that I've used 10 minutes of your hour for years. We can switch off and I can have Todd turn his dog loose now and, and do his on, on a, uh, for a certain amount of time. But at some point I got to finish the last 50 minutes on your dog right. as well. But if you have multiple, an, an evaluator and inspector, uh, can take multiple dogs like that and switch them back and forth. However, whatever they agree on should be a, it should be a pleasure hunt that you're kind of keeping, keeping score, evaluating the dogs a little bit. That's right. It can be a good pleasurable hunt. And when, and when choosing the inspectors, common sense is going to come into play here, like you said. Obviously, there's the things that we talked about, but you're not going to have your wife or your kid or your sibling or parent or grandparent or co-owner on the dog evaluating a dog. Right. Uh, kind of use your common sense here. If if you wouldn't be comfortable with someone else doing it, would you want to do it yourself? Right, and, and right. that perception of it. And the only other things that it, it uh, lists as being uh, necessary for an evaluator is they must have been an active coon hunting participant for at least five years. And that they're capable of identifying the criteria for passing or failing a dog. So if you know that if you know and understand these requirements for uh, a pass or a fail, then you're in good shape to be an inspector on one of these HTX events. Yeah, yeah, and it's a uh, we have folks that are very proud of these titles that they put on the dog. You know, one of the common things is you see some brood females. You know, guys that have just used females for uh, for breeding purposes. You know, and never they never see a night hunt or what have you. Oh, they might go put a HTX title on the dog. It just kind of shows that, hey, this dog can do what it's supposed to, what it's bred to do, you know. And it's just because the dog's never been in a night hunt doesn't mean it can't uh, do what it was bred to do. And that's kind of, it's those type of things, young dogs, maybe before they're put in a night hunt or whatever, uh, just uh, another title for a dog to, to put on. And some of the older guys that uh, can't keep up in a night hunt cast, this is the perfect little program for them to go out and take their dogs on and get a, get an evaluation on them on the HTX event. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it, said it better myself. Uh, that's kind of a wrap on our, this week's episode. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for listening to the UKC hunting ops podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to like and follow UKC hunting ops on Facebook and Instagram.